Over 3 million businesses use Indeed.com for hiring. Five times more hires are made through Indeed than any other job site. By creating the easiest, most effective hiring experience, we help businesses find great new people every day. Right now, we're giving new users a $50 credit to post a sponsored job on the world's number one job site. Claim your $50 credit at Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by Dunkin' Donuts. My guest today on All Business renowned speaker and social media expert, author, and digital media strategist, Jason Falls. Jason is a senior vice president of Elasticity, an integrated marketing communications agency where he leads their Louisville, Kentucky office. Man, I love that place down in Louisville where you can, great bourbons, lots of good food down there. We'll talk about some of that. And he's also sometimes comedian, the diehard Pittsburgh Pirates fan. That's going to come up for sure on the rapid fire. And he's been an author of two different books. And hopefully he'll crack some jokes for us today when he joins us on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. He's one of the world's most respected business experts, Jeffrey Hazlett. I want to take you behind the scenes on what's happening in business today. And whether you're on Main Street or Wall Street, we're going to find out the secrets behind their success. This is All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by Fortinet. All right. Hey, first up, I have to ask you, since you're one of my favorite digital strategists, and that's a that's a big word, you know, strategist. <laughs> You know, yeah. what's the biggest thing right now anyone can do for their business with digital? Wow. I know. It's, well, this is the beginning of the year. I'm asking the big questions, man. This is it. <laughs> you know, I, I, you know I, I've, got to, I've got to go back to the, the actual title, digital strategy. The biggest thing you can do is have a strategy. Yeah. Is, you know, <laughs> make sure that you have a plan, you define your audience, you understand where they are, um, you know, what, what, what you're going to, you know, how, what language you're going to use to reach them, all, all that good stuff. I mean, I think the biggest problem with a lot of businesses these days is they just sort of lob grenades and hope. You know, they don't yeah. really have a plan of attack. And while, sure, as a business owner or as a marketing manager, you want to hit the ground running and you want to accomplish a lot fast and show that you can do the job and do it well and do it successfully, if you don't methodically start with a plan, you're never going to be really satisfied with the results. Yeah, and you know, with that plan, it's also really being very clear about who your customer is. I mean, if you want to reach 14-year-old girls who write left-handed play softball, you know, you can do that. And, and yeah. not say that's a big audience for you, nonetheless. I don't know anybody that wants to reach those people. I don't know where the hell I came up with that stuff from. But anyway, it's a, some dark, dark thing in the back. But, the, you know, um, but it, it, it's, it's really that simple. It, be able to put the filters in that says, look, I'm going to reach this kind of person with this kind of behavior. And I think behavior is a big part of it, don't you? Oh, it absolutely is. And, and what's really uh, fascinating, like I've got a really good example. I, I do a lot of, of sort of online research into conversations to try to get insights about consumers on behavior, just what you were saying. And we actually did a new business pitch not too long ago for a company uh, that sells a you know, frozen dinner product. Who and was it? Can you tell us who it is? Can you tell I can't tell you who it was. All right, we'll try to uh, guess then. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> we didn't win the business, but we might win the business down the road. So there's still a relationship there. But anyway, so it's a it's a frozen uh, dinner product. 
And so we, we did this online conversational analysis, looking at people talking about their brand and whatnot. But then I said, you know what? Let's pull back and just look at the conversation about dinner. Yeah, right. See what we see, see yeah. if there's anything out there. And what we noticed was the online sentiment around dinner, whether or not the conversation was positive or negative, totally tanked in August. Why? It, went, it just dro- it dropped off. And Why? we started looking, and it, and it was because it was back to school time. Moms hate dinner in August when they're having to readjust schedules and drive kids and pick kids up again. You know, they get out of the summer routine into the fall routine. So for about a 30-day window, people who are talking about dinner online are talking about it in a negative light. And so we were able to say, look, if if you're a frozen dinner product and you are targeting moms, at least do this from August 1st till September 15th. Make all your online content about quick, easy, painless meals. Yeah, painless. And you will have a pain, yeah. kick your you'll kick your competition's butt because nobody else had that real that real insight. Rather than being yeah, healthy, re- rather than talk about being healthy and tasty and yep. those things, focus in on solving the pain. Oh, you know, but I think that's the case for most products, don't you, uh, Jason? About you, if you solve pain, you're yep. usually ty- typically more valuable. Well, well, I would say that luxury doesn't solve pain but that's also very valuable products too but that's that's solving a, a need for status or something else well but that's a pain point for that particular audience right yeah, sure if you're wealthy and you want status that's your pain point but i yeah, I totally agree with you that the products that are most successful uh, are the ones that a first of all solve the pain point solve the problem they have to do that you know first but then they're also successful at communicating the fact that they solve that and then those are the ones that have the good marketing and have success. Yeah. You know, it, it's amazing when you get down to the core. And I, and I think that's what you're talking about getting to when you when you said, hey, let's pull back. Let's think about why we're doing what we're doing. I mean, I, you know, I used to tell marketers, you know, you know, a lot of folks out there for a lot of CMOs for years who said, hey, I have a I have a you know mobile strategy. We have an iPhone app. Well, that's not a mobile strategy, right? And you got to really get down to why they want it or what they want. And once you have, once you understand that core, it makes your decision so much easier to make. Oh, absolutely. We've got a, a client that I work with, Fireball Whiskey, uh, as one of our clients, Elasticity, uh, and we have a lot of fun working with them. And, and they are, uh, you know, their their target uh, audience really is, you know, legal purchase age to 29, 30-year-old, uh, mostly males, but also females. And so when you're thinking about the millennial, the 20-year-old, uh, you know, person who's going to go out to bar uh, and, and have a shot or have some cocktails, you're, you're thinking about someone who's mobile. So that mm-hmm. audience, I mean, it screams, you know, mobile website, mobile app, mobile messaging. It just screams mobile because this your, your product is mostly consumed while they're out and about. So if you want to be top of mind when they're making that decision – you gotta be mobile. Yeah, but I'm so laughing. I'm laughing though because that's the that's also goes against safe driving. You know, I'm not saying that that's what we're advocating by any means, shape, or form. But you know what I'm talking about. It. It. it at the same time, you've also got to balance it with that crap. Um, you know, well, that you any do, any but, common person should freaking know. But well, you do. But at the same time, what's preventing the brand from having messaging at a, a certain point in time being about hey, you know call an Uber, get a ride home, yeah. find your designated driver, right? So there's lots of things that spirits brands can do to balance that responsibility statement 
which most you know spirits brand well all spirits brands are required to have responsibility statements on their marketing messaging and whatnot but in in the social realm most of the ones at least the good ones that do a good job reinforce that responsibility message a lot it's part of what they have to do to sort of you know, have our have consumers permission to be able to market in the first place to make sure they're not, you know, promoting anything that would be uh, bad for consumers as well. But um, at the similar on a on a similar note, though, if your primary uh, audience is maybe older, uh, maybe they're making decisions for uh, what assisted care facility to put their parents in. Mobile may not be your first. Yeah, mobile, well, it so probably it's, won't even be your last one either. Quite frankly, I mean, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's got you've got to make the you've got to understand that audience and how they consume information, how they find information, how they make purchase decisions, so that you can, and then more about their general behavior, so that you can make the right choices for channels, tactics, strategies, messaging, all that. Well, that's also a more thoughtful decision. I think thoughtful decisions require. When you think about a thoughtful decision, you sit down, you know, it's not like, you yeah. know, and you're, you're going to make those in front when you're all organized and with, with things laid out in front of you or, you know, in front of a computer, you know, looking at options and then you've got to do the visits and things like that. But right. uh, let me, you, you mentioned, you mentioned whiskey and um, which is a huge, huge, huge uh, business these days, more than it's ever been and, and will be in the future. You're, you're a bourbon drinker though, I think. I am a bourbon drinker. Is that because you live down in Louisville? <laughs> I actually, uh, you know, I said that right well. too. By the way, you know, a you lot did, of people. Yeah. I applaud you. For well, that. I used I, I used to work you. over in New Albany, right across the river. Well, there you go. Yeah, yeah, you you know, you yeah. know. But um, I I drink bourbon. Uh, the the primary reason I drink bourbon is because my dad drinks bourbon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Do you, and, I like scotch. You know, I'm a scotch drinker. Yeah, I enjoy scotch too. I enjoy all sorts of, of, of whiskeys, yeah. particularly. And there's some scotches that I, re- I love Lafroig. Um, See, I'm a, I'm Glen, I'm a Glenfiddich fan. I like the single malt old old stuff up in the Northeast region, Splayside region. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yep. I, just like wine. I mean, it's, it's exactly like wine. We're finding whiskeys and you know craft breweries and beers and everything else. You know, the the area in which you come from is important. You know. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, so scotch is, is something that I do enjoy. But I, I started drinking bourbon primarily because um, I went out and hung out with my dad after I I did turn legal age before I started drinking bourbon. I drank several things. before. Oh, I'm, I'm sure you drank a few <laughs> things before then, too. But you, you've done some work for Maker's Mark, too, right? Yeah. Back in the day, uh, one of my first you know, sort of real ventures into the digital and social media space. I was working for uh, Doe Anderson, which is a, a long-standing advertising agency here in Louisville. Sure. Which has handled Maker's Mark's business for about 45 years now. Yeah. And um, one of my first ventures was talking to Sam Seiler, who at the time was the brand manager of Maker's Mark, uh, on how the Maker's Mark Ambassadors Program could make a transition into the digital space. And so um, we helped launch Bill Samuel Jr.'s blog, which was the first blog in the spirits industry. Um, you know, did a lot of fun work with Maker's Mark there uh, through my work at Doe, and then um, also did some work with Bean Global, the parent company. Uh, worked on Jim Beam and, and a couple of other brands as well. See, I think they should bring those personalities back as a social media. We're going to talk about communities in a second. But, you know, I, I've been telling the folks at Dale Carnegie, and I think like Colonel Sanders, they, they should all come back as characters, you know, yeah. or, or voices of the brand in a digital age, because I think they add a whole nother dimension 
were young, some young folks. I mean, I, and uh, we'll get into some more of this because I got some other topics I want to bring up. But uh, Maker's Mark, isn't, aren't they one of the Brown and Foreman brands? Um, no, uh, no Maker's Mark is owned, is owned by Bean Global Spirits and Wine. Okay. Um, well, and the, the, the corresponding brand, if there really is one within the Brown Foreman, would be Woodford Reserve. Oh, there you go. Got it. Okay. Well, hey, listen, let me take a, a quick break, and I'm actually drinking uh, a sip of coffee right now. Uh, we're talking, we're, you know, I'm getting thirsty. And America runs on Duncan, and here's one fact to back it up the slogan. An average Duncan sells more than 30 cups of coffee every second. Wow, that's unbelievable. And, you know, a bunch of the whiskey guys like to be able to do that. Scotch, too. My favorite is Duncan Espresso. It's just what I need in the morning. In fact, I had uh, three of them this morning, along with two cups of coffee, before I even started this interview. Because I had to get ready. And all business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Dunk, runs on Duncan. You drink coffee at all, Jason? No, not a coffee drinker. Yeah, not everybody is. I mean, uh, but yeah, yeah, I, yeah, occasionally I've seen your picture, maybe a donut, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I definitely like the donut. <laughs> Don't we all, baby? Don't we all? Hey, let me, you know, one other thing was in your, your bio, and you and I have I've talked before, and I'm a big fan of, of the books, uh, especially the No Bullshit Social Media, the All Business No Hype Guide to Social Media Marketing. I loved it. Um, that was written about the same time that my first book came out. I remember, uh, yeah, yeah we were on the, on the, on the circuit together. I think we were at, at, uh, blog world together. I think was where we might've been. We were, we absolutely were. I remember that. The, um, but you, there's something in your bio that says about managing, uh, community management, you know? Yeah. And, and I know about this because I work with a company called live world and obviously with social media. This has become a bigger and bigger part of any brand's work, right? Absolutely. Um, you have to remember that, um, and obviously the bigger the brand you are, the more this is going to be an issue, but people are talking about your brand online every day, no matter what. Yeah, they always have. Um, They've and, always been talking about yeah. you. I mean, that's a brand is nothing but a promise delivered. So they, they're, they, we just now discovered it with social media, right? Exactly. I mean, there used to be four million water coolers around the world that people talk about these you know things all the time. Yeah. Now there's one big water cooler with you know hundreds of millions of people in it. Yeah. And and now you can you can see those conversations, index them and search them and all that good stuff. But uh, but yeah, community management is very important these days for brands. The larger the brand, the more imperative it is because these conversations are having are taking place if you are not at least listening, at least have a finger on the pulse of what people are saying about you. You are missing a an easy direct connection to your consumers and/or prospective consumers that can inform your business. Yeah. Um, obviously, as a social media sort of enthusiast and and advocate, I would say you need to do more than just listen. You need to participate in those conversations. You need to have a presence. It can help you with branding and awareness and all sorts of other things. Um, well, you, you got to tell you, people you screw up sometime. You got to have a real conversation, yeah. and it's and it's public. Yeah. I and, and it's big deal. Nobody cares. Yeah, I mean, they know. Look, it's like when you when you're like software. I remember when I had a software company, people used to say, "Well, we got to keep the bugs quiet." Like they don't know that we got problems. Are you kidding me? You know? <laughs> exactly. And what what you find is if you have community management and you're engaged online with your community, when you have a problem, a they're more understanding. Yeah, they help you. It's easier to reach them. Yeah. Um, and and see the crisis if it's a crisis. Dive down a lot faster because you've got 
got that open line of communication. Well, I, know, I would advocate, and I'm, I bet you do too, Jason, that you go find people who become brand ambassadors for you. I mean, they're advocates. And, and so sometimes when it goes bad, and I'll, I'll name two guys, myself and Peter Shankman, we love United. Mm-hmm. Now, is everything perfect about United Airlines? Absolutely not. Come on. It's, it's, an, it's a business. It's like everything. We're not perfect. Humans aren't perfect, so businesses aren't perfect. But yet, sometimes he and I get in the fray with people, you know, in the forums about United, like, hey, back off, relax, you know? And, 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 we're, and I've told United, you should really have a formal process around that. And then, but I think every brand, company, you should identify who those people are and kind of nurture them because they, they become real good friends and advocates for you. Absolutely. And, and the brands that have, you know, those the sort of insatiable, brand, insatiable brands that have some sort of intrinsic connection with consumers or experience or whatnot, like Apple and so on, and like Fireball Whiskey, for, for that matter, those uh, influencers, those uh, you know, brand fans emerge on their own. You don't even have to go look for them. They find you. Right, right. Um, but, but even if you're maybe you're a B2B or you're an insurance company or something that's not necessarily something that you're going to put that badge on your chest and go, I love, you know, progressive or whatever. Um, You, you, you can go find those people who are happy customers who will recommend you have recommended you and you can engage in relationships and conversations with them that encourage them to do that more and and more public. Well, and I think the other thing I tell businesses that are listening, owners that are listening, managers that, you know, run this, that you can do that in a very formalized process too. I mean, you can go and there, I mean, there's ways to identify and even rank those influencers to know who's even got the most power. I mean, I, I did that recently with my book, uh, Think Big, Act Bigger. I was able to identify the top 20% of my followers that were huge advocates and then some that I gained as a result of it who had even more impact on people buying books. And so I was feeding them extra things, you know. And, you know, saying, what can I do? Can I, you know, you give a book away and you do this and you do that. And I I think more brands need to do that. Let me ask you um, now about email because you did, you did another book, which was, I I didn't get a chance to read, but I do, I I think I want to go back to it. And it's a rebel's guide to email marketing. When did you write that? So that came out in about a year after the first one. Oh, so 2012, 13. Yeah. Yep. And uh, DJ Waldo and I wrote that together. DJ's a, a, sort of an email marketing maven and we had a lot of fun writing it together because it was um the the focus of the book was there's so many quote-unquote rules out there about email marketing that you you hear or you read in blogs and whatnot you know never use all caps in your headline never use one big image all that jazz yeah so we basically went through the top 10 or 15 rules and just destroyed Right, because you can do whatever you do, whatever you do to works. It works with a group. Whatever works. The rules, the only rules you should follow are the rules that you test and carve out for your audience. Yeah. Um, Because your audience is going to respond very differently than my audience, which is going to respond differently from Cafe Press's audience, which is going to respond differently from Visa's audience. So you have to test with email marketing and know what works for your audience and what doesn't because you'd be surprised at how many brands follow the quote-unquote rules and are never satisfied with their email marketing metrics because they never try anything outside the box. Right. So the whole point was, and, and my, you know, even with no bullshit, uh, you know, social media, um, you know, my whole attitude has always been, don't tell me what I can and cannot do. I'm going to figure this out for myself 
and I'm going to share my knowledge and my best practices and whatnot that I figure out. But I, I don't want anyone to say, this is the way you have to do it because there's a thousand ways to do everything. Carve out what feels good for you. I love that. Carve out. That's a pretty good one. I love that. I'm writing that down. I'm writing that down. You can hear me write right now. I, I love to write notes. That's how I, re, you know, you retain a lot more information when you write it down. Uh, that's, that's what they that, tell me. That's what they tell me. Yeah, that's exactly. I wrote that down one time. Hey, is let me ask you, I'm going to ask you a real blunt question. Is email dead? No, absolutely not. Yeah, I don't, and and I don't the primary agree. reason, the primary reason that I would say that is what do you need to sign up for all these social networks? Yeah, email. email e e yeah, emails become the universal um, identifier, and a lot of folks don't even know that even on Facebook, if you're going to go market on Facebook, I can take a email list and then market ads to that email list based on your Facebook profile, assuming you've yep. used that as one of your emails, which typically you do. You use the same email, and and I can market to you and then market to your friends that way. And that's a pretty, most people don't know that that email has become that kind of like uh, identification code, right? Your your mark of your mark of who you are, almost like a social security number. Absolutely, and and we're getting to a point where I think this is the one sort of I guess exception to the rule. We're getting to the point where um, I'm starting to feel like uh, whether it be a you know your your Facebook email address, because everybody has an at Facebook.com email address if you're on Facebook, um, that, that could be, you know, the Facebook sort of backdoor into becoming what it really has always tried to be is kind of a utility for everyone. You kind of have to have it. Yeah, now, but, but there's a number of us, though, that fight that, Jason. I mean, I don't, like, I, I try not to make Google my, my, you know, one thing. I try not to make Facebook my one thing because I don't want that. I don't want someone else right. to have that control of me. Right, and that's why I would argue and say that that's, it's never going to happen that Facebook is going to become this ubiquitous you know, yeah. sort of social security number online because too many people will resist it. Yeah. But you know, for, for all intents and purposes, uh, for common online digital identity and use, uh, connecting things to your Facebook profile and having that be your sort of hub is, is easy for people, and that's where Facebook wins. See, I think it could be your mobile phone. You know, I almost wish yep. driving down the road, they, your license plate was your mobile phone so I could call you to get out of the way. But, you know, it's a different <laughs> thing. You know, there's a lot of times I'm like, call, get, would you just move and I'm going to call you right now? Uh, but, you know, I would think a mobile phone could become that identifier. Um, you know, it, num it very the number. well could. Yeah. It very well could. The, the number certainly could. And, and if you look at in terms of, you know, billing and communications and whatnot, it already is in a lot of ways. Yeah. So it would it will be interesting to see and I don't know again, you know, there's gonna to be too many people that fight against, you know, one company or one, you know, enterprise having that type of control uh, over folks. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see if any of these uh, phone companies or even any of the social networks, you know, try to play that card and make that angle to say, hey, we're going to be the one stop you know, identity point for everyone in the, in the digital space. Well, you know, I, I tell, I talk to marketers a lot. I think we've screwed email up, although I think it's come back over the last two years. I really do. Um, I, and email is a great way to reach people, still is. But I think we screwed it up for a long time. I mean, there's so much junk out there. There's so much spam that it's really hurt us. And I've told marketers, listen, don't 
you know, F up the, the, the mobile marketing because it's, it's the most personal device we have in the world today. Yeah. Well, let me ask you the question. I think I t I'm telling people today, especially guys that are out there marketing themselves, like TV personalities, radio personalities, authors, speakers, you know, that your community in your social media is now your new database. It's your new email database. It's your new, that mm -hmm. managing of that community is just like you used to manage your email list. Yep. You agree with absolutely. that? Or, yeah. I, I absolutely agree with it. It's like managing your email list or even going further back. It's just like managing your customer database yeah. and, and managing the, the relationship you have uh, with your customers. You know, back in the day, in the general store days, you know, knew everybody by name and they came in in person. Right. Um, the, world, the world is a bigger place now. So yeah. these online communities allow us to have some level of personal touch with anyone who might consider buying our products and certainly anyone who does buy our product or consume our product or services. And so having that community management attitude, uh, being able to uh, not only listen to what customers are saying, but even participate in that conversation um, gives you a top of mind awareness for them uh, and makes you and, and or your company and or your brand seem much more real and relevant to them. Yeah. And that's what social media brings to the table for companies more than anything else is relevance. Well, but the digital side of it has made it easier, but it's also made it more difficult. Let me let me give you my point on what I think here. And this is why I think you've really got to be engaged in these communities. You, you have to really get into it because if you're not, you're going to make some major, major mistakes. And, and the reason I say that is because the digital has made it easier to reach people, but it's made it more difficult because it now cuts out all of the advertising, right? So people are going around the advertising, not watching the commercials, not clicking on those things. So to get to those people, that's why you have to be more engaged. Now, and I also think it's going to change some of the behavior over time because of the way in which we're going to be, you know, using, like even sayings. I was thinking like, you remember the saying, book it, Dano? Yep. All right. Now, that's not as relevant today as it was 15 years ago because that was of old show, Hawaii Five O, the original show. Yep. I don't even know if they use it in the new show, the new version. Maybe they do. <laughs> uh, but but I'm thinking things like that in Hammer Time and, and you know, where's the beef? Things like that where, where it became nomenclature because of mass media, I think it's going to be more difficult to see those things pop through. But, and there, there's my example of why it's going to be more and more, t it's going to be tougher and tougher to reach people. Would you agree or well, disagree with I, that? I, I, no, I, I definitely agree with you. I think you're going to see, um, you know, things like that, that, that sort of enter our consciousness in, in pop culture. Uh, they will emerge, but they will emerge in audience sets as opposed to, you know, sort of the larger you know, population base, which emphasizes, again, all the more reason why brands should be focused on cultivating and building relationships in their own communities and managing those communities online because you need to be able, in a sea of, of noise, you need to have your messages stand out as signal. And the only way you can reasonably do that these days is by collecting the people that might want to receive that signal in some sort of, you know, vaguely, you know, guarded, gated community of community online where you can reach them, whether it be through Twitter or Facebook or whatnot. You need hand raisers. You need people who will say, yes, I like that brand enough that I will tolerate their messages from time to time. And then if you do a really good job, their attitude becomes, 
I actually really like being connected to this brand because they do useful things for me in their messaging and whatnot that they share. If you're not doing that and building toward that, then you're going to have to, you're going to be sending signals into a vast pit of noise. uh, And, and, and uh, that's, they're not going to stand out. Yeah. I love that. I love the phrase hand raisers. I love that. Yeah. That's a good. That's a good way of saying. How many hand raisers do you have? Think about that. The owners and brand manager, everybody out there about your business. How many hand raisers do you have? I mean, that's a good yeah. question. Hey, go to the next meeting and ask how many hand raisers you have. First of all, you see who raised their hand in the room. Everybody even knows what that means or understands. But that's a great question to have. To say how many hand raisers we got? How many people are gonna? You know, when I say I love you, do you love so and so? And they raise their hand. That's a Freaking great question. Woo! Yeah, and I, I used to tell people who were you know talking about um, you know Facebook followers and all this kind of stuff a few years ago when that was you know follower counts were the big deal I guess for marketers and I used to say look you are putting way too much emphasis on how many people are following yeah likes because when you yeah. when you really think about it when you really think about the number of people that like you on Facebook all these people have done is given you a virtual high five. Mm-hmm. They just pass or a nod. Actually, I, I would yeah. say it's not even a high five. I say it's a nod. I think they give yeah. you a high five when they like a particular item or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Exactly. They, right. But basically, what they've said to you is, "You do not repulse me." Right. <laughs> um, which is not a real high which is, barrier of entry. Exactly. <laughs> think about applying that to a date. Okay, uh, <laughs> or a potential spouse. Yeah. Uh, well, so far you've not repulsed me, and uh, we'll see yeah. where it goes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will. I will be in the same room with you. That's that's as far as you've gotten. Right? Uh, yeah. um, and, and so beyond that, you're right. The people who will like or comment or share are going beyond the you don't repulse me to. All right, you know, I kind of am interested in what you're doing over here. Yeah. And the better job you do of creating compelling content for them that they find useful, entertaining, or engaging, uh, the more close to your brand, the closer into the circle they're going to be. Yeah, and then there's there's got to be different levels. We should You and I should get together and come up with a different levels of the hand raisers, right? You know, there's those that wave <laughs> it, that. you know, that, that stand up and wave it and get on the edge of their seat and raise themselves out of the chair, you know, and then, yep. you know, get their butt up off the chair a little bit. To, ooh, ooh, ooh. You know, those are the, those are the crazy ones, you know, because it, like, yep. it's like followers. You know, I've got different level. I got a couple stalkers. I mean, some psycho people. And I've got some people who are, you know, who drink the Kool-Aid, no doubt about it. Yeah. And then I got some people who are, you know, in between there and like, yeah, more than being in the room, they'll go to the cocktail party, right? And then you got the rest yep. of them that are in the room and you got some who are out there who are following just so they can make fun of me. That's uh, probably And your your ult- your ultimate goal at the end of the day will be to have more people than not who would pick you up at the airport. Yeah, that's true. That's really good. Yeah, although uh, my wife doesn't like to do that, so there we go. Speaking of hand raisers, I mean, I got hand raisers or waivers. I got to talk about these guys, Liberty Tax. Uh, It's great to have the good folks at Liberty Tax on board, all business. I love these guys, and they're out there waving all the time. Uh, They've got those mascots that you see out there on the road, and we think, oh, my gosh, those crazy people, but you notice it. You know, they have their their fast-growing retail uh, tax preparation firm ever, and you know, over 4,000 offices in North America, it's great seasonal franchise opportunity. It's kind of interesting. Um, Jason, sometimes the people, I get notes from people who said, hey, I bought a franchise because I was listening to the podcast and learned that I could do this uh, on the side. 
And I thought that was kind of a cool thing. Do you do your own taxes? Um, no, I have an accountant. Yeah, good for you. Well, I'm, I, I'm, bad, I'm bad with math. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're cra- you've been on the creative side. You, and you drink a lot of bourbon. So, you know, yeah. they're, they're, you know so I, I was on a podcast not too long ago, and a guy knew that I like a whiskey, and so he brought some bourbon, and he, had, and he knew I loved bacon. And so he had a bacon-infused bourbon with sugar yep. on the top of the on the rim of the glass and we drank it yep. over cocktails and that you know as a cocktail we drank it i i wanted to stay there and do a couple shows it was so good oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, it was i really actually good. took a uh, i took a bottle of bacon infused maker's mark bourbon uh to bog world one year and and served shots to the front couple rows of my talk just to get more people to come to my talk <laughs> because i was i was up against david armano and cc chapman at the uh, same time and i'm like Nobody's going to come listen to me over those two guys. Yeah. So I told everybody I was going to serve shots. That's a good idea. Well, that's not, that's that's it. That's an incentive. It's an incentive. Okay. Sure. Hey, it's time for rapid fire. This is where I like to ask you a bunch of just meaningless questions that have been prompted by something that you have said, done, or in your background. And of course, you're from Louisville, and yep. I heard you're a diehard uh, diehard Pittsburgh Pirates fan. Yes, I am. Now, I have to tell you, I have a baseball that my uncle caught back in the 70s from Willie Stargell. Awesome. Yeah, it was a foul ball off his bat at one of the games, and he and he gave that to me, and of course I gave that to my son. But uh, sure. kind of a cool thing. Okay, prior to me calling the Pittsburgh Pirates, the famous baseball team was called what? Oh my goodness! Well, you're going way back. Yeah, this um, is 1882, 1891. Yeah, there's there, there's a couple of different options because they went through a couple of changes. But I'm going to go with Pittsburgh Allegheny. You're correct. Wow, there you go. that's that's digging it, dude. Just, I, you you're going to get some bourbon just for that. Let me tell you, right? All right, <laughs> all right. How about this one? Who was the first Pirate manager to win over 2,000 games? Oof, uh. Danny Murtaugh. Nope. Fed Clark. He led the team okay. to 2,427 wins from ni- 1900 to 1915. <laughs> That's a little minus. before my time. Yeah, minus <laughs> one. Okay, there you're, you're even right now. Okay, who was okay. the all right? Who was the first batter in Pirate history? Oh man, first batter. I, I'll give you a hint. They were playing the Chicago White Stockings. Oh my goodness! Like I'm gonna know this. You're not uh, gonna know it. Of course not. There's no way. I don't know. Uh, 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 Bubba Sphincterhead. Yeah, but uh, but what I like is that you're thinking about it and you're trying to come up with some name, and I, I give you credit for that. I give it half a point. <laughs> now it was Abnu Darrymple. Okay. How come we don't have people named like that? I was doing my family history this weekend, and all my relatives are like, you know, Daphne and 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 Tressie and uh, and Archibald. I mean, it's like yeah, we have a lot of relatives in my family history that are named after presidents, like Woodrow Wilson and Washington Thomas and Andrew Jackson Hazlett and things like that. That's kind of fun to to go back. All right. where was the now you're you're in Louisville, your home of Yum Brands? I have to bring that up. Yep. Uh, where yep. was the first Kentucky Fried Chicken operated? Corbin, Kentucky. Yes, very good. Of course, by who? 
Colonel Sanders. Exactly, man. What do you like? What kind of Kentucky Fried Chicken do you like? Oh, I'm I'm the I'm the, the crispy. I I'm love a, crispy. Yeah. I like, I'm extra yeah. crispy. I do. I'll have the original just to, for you know to be you know to go to the brand. But I like the extra crispy. I do like that. Okay. Yeah, uh, here's your last one. This is for all the marbles. Um, what is on permanent display in Newport, Kentucky? In Newport, Kentucky? Yeah. Oh my goodness! Permanent display, Newport. No Kentucky. googling. You can't Google during the call. I'm not. I'm not googling. <laughs> I'm too much of a trivia buff. If I don't get it, I'll just admit it. I, I had no. Permanent I had no freaking clue about this. Never heard of my 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 teams. I got a great team. They dig. They dig up a lot of good shit here. Like this is good stuff. I, I I'm gonna. Okay, this is. There's a reason for this guess. Oh, I like this already. But I'll throw this out there. Uh, the the first edition, framed first edition of Hustler magazine. No, it, no. Although that's a good one, and you are definitely <laughs> drinking bourbon. That's for sure. No, it is the world's largest free swinging bell, known as the huh. World Peace Bell. Now, okay. So if I don't even know where uh, Newport, Kentucky is, you know where it's at. It's right across the river from Cincinnati. Then why? It's like an hour and a half drive from you. You should go. Yeah, up, you should go up there and you should go see the World Peace Bell. All right, I'll go check. You, it out. you should no, do that. I had no earthly idea that was there. I'll go check it out. So Next you know, time I'm up there. In fact, I've got a I've got a potential client meeting. Uh, potential client that I'm meeting in Newport uh, in another week or two. I will go see the bell. I'll is that that frozen food thing? Uh, no, it's a different no. one. All right, we're see. I'm trying to work. I'm trying to work. I'm trying to figure out who it is. Now you got me wondering who it is. Yeah. Hey, right, there you go. what a great what a great time spending some time with Jason. I'll give you a chance for a little shameless plug. What would you like to What would you like to push? Oh, man, the, the only thing I'm pushing right now is elasticity. Uh, you know, the agency that Your I work agency, for. Yeah. We 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 love content marketing. We love doing good social, uh, you know, PR and SEO for folks. And uh, we start with content. We think strategically around digital for people and we're pretty good at it we're at goelastic.com and that's that's what i'm doing that's great well i appreciate it i tell you what you're a great contributor i love your no bullshit social media don't forget buy that book and of course the newest one the rebel's guide to email marketing i am actually going to go pick that up because uh i'm a real believer in 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 i call it edms electronic direct marketing and and yep. so I'm a real big fan, and I and I it's it's still there. You can still make a big impact. I know that are, I know that today if you do it well. And uh, we learned a lot of new lessons here today on all business. So I want to thank you, and I want to have you back sometime. I'd be glad to do it, Jeff. Thanks for having me. All right, my friend. Good to talk to you. Thanks, Jason. Thank you. Taking you behind the scenes of what's happening in the business world, Jeffrey Hazlett hosts All Business, brought to you by Fortinet. Hey, I like to end every single show with what I learned. Learned a lot. I, I enjoyed this conversation where I get to challenge the folks a little bit more when it comes to marketing because you know I love marketing so much. How about the one thing I learned is don't listen to everybody about everything you got to do. You got to do this. You got to do that. I say this a lot. But when it comes to email marketing, uh, forget the rules and learn to do the things you like to do and the things that work for you. Because, you know, not using caps or you must do this or you must have a PS or, you know, or you got to have this offer or a call to action here or it's got to be in the first sentence or whatever. Forget that. 
Do what works for you and figure it out. The second thing, build relationships. It's your new email marketing database. So the social media is the place to go. So build the relationships and find the hand raisers. I love that statement. Find the hand raisers. That's a great question for you to ask your next meeting. Hey, who are our hand raisers? Do you have a list of those for your business? That's something I learned right here. A great lesson right here on All Business. Don't forget, tell your friends. I live and breathe with you telling your friends to download and listen to this podcast. Hey, thanks so much, and we'll talk to you later. Cheers. most respected business experts, Jeffrey Hazlett. I want to take you behind the scenes on what's happening in business today. And whether you're on Main Street or Wall Street, we're going to find out the secrets behind their success. This is All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by Dunkin' Donuts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.